This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. This podcast is Shareable. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbard, commonly known as the world's most handsome strategist and professional speaker. I'm also a superhero. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single Shareable episode. And that's it. That's the intro. Short and sweet. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to Shareable, everyone. Thank you. It is now 2021, and it's really great to see you. No, not see you. I'm not, I don't see anybody, but it's great that you're here tuning back in today. Today, for the very first episode of 2021, I have Mr. Productivity. He helps entrepreneurs deal with the overwhelm that disrupts their focus. So would you please join me in giving a warm welcome to, hey, how's it going, Mark Struchesky? I said your name right, right? Wow, very impressive. Uh, if you could see me, two thumbs up. Great job. Two thumbs up. Now, what uh, he's not, he's very humble and he's, he's a good guy, but he's not letting you know that he actually gave it to me in a uh, phonetically spelled out kind of way. <laughs> You're not supposed to tell him that. <laughs> uh, I'm not supposed to give him a glimpse behind the, behind the, uh, you know, the curtain. Well, too bad I did already. Uh, Mark, it's really great to have you on the show. I'm super excited about chatting. Um, you and I have talked because I'm going to be coming on your show and yep. we had such a good initial conversation Prior to, to coming on your show, we do that kind of like setup call. And I think it was supposed to be like a 15 minute call that turned into like 45 minutes. And yeah. I was just like, yo, man, you got to come on my show. Uh, there's just, there's good conversation chemistry there. Um, outside of that though, you know, I looked into you pretty extensively Uh-oh. prior to you coming on to the show and like, you're <laughs> super interesting dude, you're a super prolific guy. Uh, and you're known for the, the, the productivity space. That's kind of your big thing, but there are some other things that we'll get into. So today I definitely want to talk about productivity. Um, and one of the things, um, that I kind of wanted to kick this off with is, you know, one of the things that you promote very, very heavily is this top five productivity tips that every entrepreneur needs. Like that's a, it's a lead magnet. It's a download. It's a thing you got. It's supposed to be very helpful, super valuable. Um, but I want to, I want to take like three steps back before that, which is why do you think people need to be productive? Well, when I first got into this world of productivity, I thought it was about calendar apps and calendars and to-do lists and notes app. And then I realized that productivity is a big umbrella. And the longer I'm in the space, I realized, okay, what is, what is causing people not to be productive? And one day it hit me, I'm, I'm walking someplace and see everybody on their phones and they're stressed over all the work and the Zoom calls and, and they got to go here and go here and they got COVID and all this other stuff. I'm like, ah, overwhelmed. I said, if I could figure out how to help people unpack overwhelm to give them a place to breathe, then they have the right space to get more stuff done. So even though I call myself a productivity expert, I'm really getting into the, the weeds of you know, what causes overwhelm. And we could talk for hours what causes people to overwhelm, but I'm trying to untangle people's overwhelm now. So I love that because, and I'm, and I'm sure that you are familiar with David Allen's GTD methodology. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. But, but one of the kind of key things that always has stuck out to me about that methodology is that aside from being a prescribed set of actions and ways of dealing with productivity, the, the kind of underpinning of the whole thing is, is that it helps to give people mental clarity, which helps to give them greater peace and, and serenity in their life. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's, there's um, and, and actually one of um, my co-hosts on the Heroic Council, which is another podcast I do, a live show, she's a productivity expert. And one of her things is helping people who are on the road to burnout, uh, mm-hmm. Sarah O'Hennison. So, and, and again, as a productivity coach, that's, I, I'm sensing a pattern here that, um, Maybe it's a pendulum that swung, or maybe it's just something that I never saw. But I always thought productivity was about squeezing more out of 
each employee, right? Like that seems to be, I, in my MBA, that seemed to be the way that productivity was talked about, supply chains and this and that and efficiency. And what I like is hearing that there's a lot more people out there that are talking about, okay, you're going to get more things done, but why and what's the purpose and what does that mean in your life? How talk? You kind of mentioned like when you first got into the productivity thing, what was your, like, why did, why did this become a thing that stuck out for you? Like, what was your journey into this? Did you have like a, did you have a personal issue with productivity and you were like, I've solved it now I can help others. Like, how did it come to come about? Actually, I didn't. What, what happened was I was fired from my corporate job in July of 2005 and I didn't know what to do. So I decided to be, become an entrepreneur. Okay. Didn't know what entrepreneur was, couldn't spell it, but I wanted to be one. So my first venture into that was a wedding and portrait photographer. Now, I failed at that, but the one thing that came out of that was my love for speaking and teaching and training. And I remember the first time I spoke, I spoke at the National Association of Women in Construction. I will never forget, you never forget the first place you speak. Yep. And my wife said, because I was paranoid, I was terrified, you know, I was sweating bullets and stuff like that. So I was like focused when I was giving my presentation. Afterwards, my wife said, people were on the edge of their seat while you were speaking. And so I said, huh, maybe there's something to it. And I said, okay, I really like the space about product, about uh, speaking. So I went to some friends who were speakers and said, how do I become a speaker? I had no clue. And, and then what happened was, is like, okay, I didn't want to be a, a speaker on photography. I knew that. So what am I going to talk about? And so I came up with some other topics that didn't really gel. And one day I'm on a call with uh, one of my coaches is a Tony Robbins result coach. And I was not having a good day. He says, what's going on? I said, well, you know, I, I want to be a speaker. I want to be a trainer, but I don't know what I should talk about. He goes, well, why don't you talk about productivity? And I'm like, I don't know why we'd say that, but where, where'd they come from? Why? I don't, I'm confused. He goes, you're one of the most productive people I know. I don't know why you're that so productive, but you should share that gift with the world. And the more I thought about it, Jeff, is I, I went back and I'm an only child. And in my house, things happen, you know, in the morning. This is what happened in the morning. When you come to school, this is what you have to do. We eat dinner this time. After dinner, we do this. Very structured. We do this on Saturday. We do this on Sunday. And I think that's because I was raised that it becomes natural to me. So I didn't like struggle to productivity, learn how to be more productive. And now I help people. I was raised this way. And I was quite frankly stunned that everybody's not as productive as I am, but I didn't call it productivity. I didn't walk around to school and go, hey, I'm productivity. I'm no everything. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I was raised to be very structured. And I think productivity comes to comes down to structure. I completely agree with that. And it's interesting that you went from you didn't talk about it to now you're Mr. Productivity. Um, so that's a that's a super interesting thing. I the so your method of productivity, you focus on the whole overwhelm side of things, right? So did you just not deal with overwhelm because you were naturally productive or did you deal with overwhelm for other reasons that you've had to deal with, but the productivity you saw, there was a connection there for other people. Is that like kind of how it went down or like kind of connect the dots for me? Because if you were productive, you didn't feel the overwhelm. So how do you know that that was the thing that you needed to like focus on? I think my overwhelm came from thinking I had to be all things to all people. So when I became an entrepreneur, I thought I had to do everything and it, you know, just recently, about three, four months ago, uh, my wife got furloughed because of COVID. She was in the travel industry. And I'm like, you know what? We should figure out how you can be part of the business. So now on my podcast, I do the interview and then she does all the post-processing stuff. Uh, she builds out my website. I need, I'm the face of the brand. I need to be creating content. I need to be doing interviews. I need to be on like shows like yours. I need to do you know stuff on social media. And she does the behind the scene thing. It took me so 
so much time to let that go because I want to control everything. But as you know, if you're doing the editing, well, anybody can do the editing. Okay. Someone who's really good. And let's face it. No one's going to care more about our business than my wife or me. No one. Uh, VAs they're not. You pay them and they do a good job, but they're not going to care as much as we do. And I had a tough time letting it go. So my overwhelm was trying to do too much. I was a control freak. I didn't want to let the stuff go. But I realized now that I have more space to create content, I can read books without having to go, oh, I got to do this, this, and this. And I know it's time to read right now. And I do schedule two hour, two one hour chunks during my day to read because that's important. Because that's how you learn how to be better at Instagram or writing copy or a better podcaster or a better businessman. You read. And I was, I was like not doing that because I had to do all this other stuff. Now my wife's taken off my plate. My sense of overwhelm has gone down because now I'm more focused on a few things instead of trying to do everything. Hmm. So you read a lot. I would encourage you, if you haven't already, to read the book Essentialism. Uh, oh, yes. Phenomenal book, right? Okay, good. So we're yes. both in the Essentialism Club then. Yeah, yes. I, that book profoundly changed my understanding of prioritization. And, um, and I think that's another thing that, that gets lumped in with the productivity. You mentioned it's a big umbrella. I think there's so much that it's around time management, priority management, habits, uh, all of which are things that over the past several years, I've really uh, spent a lot of time in. So you know, quickly, my story is I'm also an only child. I think we had a somewhat structured environment, but I have um, very well-controlled uh, attention deficit disorder. So I'm all over the place. I want to take on a thousand projects. I always have like 400 ideas going at any given time. So I've, I've Im implemented and uh, created structures for myself as a means of control for that sort of chaotic energy. So I completely agree with you in the sense of, uh, you know, productivity really does come down to kind of structure and, and processes. So I want to dig into your productivity way of seeing the world, right? Because it's a big umbrella. You have your take, other people have theirs. Mm -hmm. So there's frameworks, there's tools, there's processes. You met, you said at the beginning, you know, you thought that, uh, that, you know, productivity at one point was just, you know, checklists and calendars and tools. So what is kind of your productivity methodology? Like, how do you go about approaching it? What is, if you could define your way of seeing this topic, how would you define it outside of just the, the overwhelm? Like, what's the, what's the, sausage kind of look like? For me, it comes down to one word, simplicity. I think that I've been saying for a while on social media, complexity is a gateway to procrastination. We are making things almost like a badge of honor. I want to make things so complicated. I, I, I don't understand this. And we need to get back to simplicity. And that goes to your schedule, goes on your to-do list. It goes to what books you're going to read. You got to keep things simple. And I was getting caught up into that. For example, up until last year, 2020, I was reading 52 books a year because I thought I had to read a book a week. And I was cramming 52 books every year. And I'm like, then I heard a, a, a guy I'm following this year, Robin Sharma. And he says, instead of reading 52 books, why don't you carefully pick out a dozen or so books and really go deep on those topics? And that's what I'm doing this year. I'm not reading books as fast. I'm slowing down. I'm highlighting. I, I'm like thinking about it. When I find a good idea, I go enter my bullet journal. I'm slowing down because I was only collecting, you know, another line. How many books I read it? Here's another entry, another entry. And I really wasn't retaining the stuff. So again, going back to overwhelm, I was causing myself overwhelm. I was making it more complex. I should get into the stuff and, and, and take my time and just marinate in a book. Because a book, you can spend a book with 20 bucks and get like a thousand dollars with the training. But if you just fly through it and just go to the next one, you're missing so much. So what I'm trying to do, and I encourage my clients to do, and everyone who's listening to the show, 
break things down as simple as possible. That's going to allow you to breathe. There's no badge of honor to making things overly complex. I So that resonates with me on a level that it's so visceral because I'm literally going through the same thing. Last year, I read the most books I've ever read in a year. And this year, I am planning to read less, not more. And, and it's not because I didn't enjoy or appreciate. It's that feeling you're talking about. I felt like I was... I was going at such a pace that I was just checking them off rather than appreciating everything that was inside of them. And I think for me, and I'm, I'm curious to hear why, why you think you did that, the 52 in a year. But for me, I think I felt like, you know, that Twilight Zone episode with the guy that breaks the glasses. I think I thought of it as like, look, I'm 40 and I only have so many years left to read books. I got to get in as many as I can, right? <laughs> grow. So like for me, growth is almost like this. I'm like hyper competitive about my own growth. So I'm trying to get better at the fastest possible rate. And I think kind of to your point, what I recognized at the end of the year was that there's kind of a law of diminishing returns to it. And I felt like I didn't have to go that fast, but I do still feel a little bit of like the FOMO around like, well, if I do less, could I have read three more and maybe learned more and be further ahead? So like, Mm -hmm. what, what do you think is kind of behind why you were doing the 52 and do you feel that same kind of FOMO for maybe only doing 12? I don't know exactly why I picked 52 books a year. I probably read it in the blog or heard it in the podcast someplace and I never thought about it. I just said, oh, okay. And I, I did it. And, and the results were not, you know, if I had to pick up, I looked at the, I read 44 books in 2020, probably only seven books really I should have gone deep with and slowed down, or maybe here's a concept, read them over again. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Finishing a book and starting to read over again. Um, I was in a hurry. I, again, like a lot of people collect likes and views and followers and connections. Well, I was collecting entries on how many books I read. Yeah. It's stupid. And so, but this year, I think what I want to do is I really want to be, I think less is more is what I'm trying to say. I think less is more. Really, like when I looked, I have my, on my book stack, I have six books I want to read. And so I'm reading one right now. I have five more. I'm not going to buy any more books. Or if I buy books, I'm going to go on the stack. I'm being very, very picky on what books I pick. And I don't even look at Amazon, by the way. When someone says, oh, my gosh, you got to read this book by John Doe. It's about dust and sons. I'm like, oh, I'm interested in that topic. I buy the book. I don't look at the reviews because someone I trust gives me recommendation. I don't question them. That's I love when people give me book recommendations because I don't have to think about it. And I just put it in my pile to read, but I'm not rushing it. And I would read two, three books at a time. And then you're like, okay, what am I talking about? This is Facebook. I, I don't understand. It's so confused because I, I was just not, I was not embracing the work the author put in there and what they're trying to teach me. I really appreciate that also because I'm, I'm uh, right now working with my editor to release my book in January. Of wow. Two. Um, so I'm going through, you know, what already has been a very long process to write this book. And then there's going to be a long edit to editing process to, and then there's the marketing of it and the book cover design and the layout and all these things. And then to think that like, you know, I was going through audiobooks at like three times speed, just like, and like, granted, I can follow at that speed, but I also think you lose things when you speed it up to that degree. And, um, and your, your points really resonating with me about that. So, but in that context, right. So, so you're, you're talking about simplifying and potentially simplifying, meaning not trying to cram in too much stuff outside of that. Now you mentioned bullet journal, right? So that's, that's a tool technically, I guess you would think of yes. it. 
but it's also somewhat of a process, I guess. So in terms of working with clients, let's say, or advising, and you create content and, and help people to kind of get clarity and, and move to that next level, are there certain tools or processes that you prescribe to kind of feed to that simplicity? Or is it the sort of thing where you kind of meet people where they are and whatever tools they're using, you look to see if you can simplify what they're using? Or do you have kind of like a go-to set? Well, I have a go-to set, but when I first meet a client, I, I ask them, I say, okay, tell me what's working and what's not working because I need to know where they are right now. Because a lot of people, they come to me and they're like, okay, it ain't working. Okay. Well, that doesn't help me help you. Um, let's get it a little deeper. You know, what have you tried? You know, if you tell me, well, I hate my calendar app. Okay. Do you plan it all? No. Well, that's not the calendar app. It's you. And so I need to find out where the, where the client is coming from. First of all, because there's, I could tell you here are my top three apps. Well, they may not be your top three apps. You may not be a priority on. You know, I always ask people, uh, what's in your dock? You know, on the document on the iPhone, you got those four. Yeah. I got, what's in your dock? They used and, to my rapid and, fire questions on this podcast in, in season one, because I said, but I found a lot of people just said mail and iTunes. It's like, don't you change what's in your dock? <laughs> yeah, very, very truly. But my, my question is, uh, the answer to your question is I always ask him, what, what, what is your number one problem right now? Why did you come to me? Okay. Uh, this isn't, it's very expensive to come to me and have a chit chat. Okay. So what are your issues? Okay. This is your issue. Your issue is X. Okay. So what have you tried that didn't work? What are you trying? What are you thinking about trying? Cause I want to, I want to get some kind of a temperature where they are. Cause I've got my formula, but I also don't have kids. So if I tell you, I get up at five o'clock every morning, seven days a week. And by five ten, I'm out running three miles. Okay. What if you got kids and you live in the upper peninsula of Michigan and it's like 20 feet of snow on the ground, well, you may not be able to do that. So I've got to listen where they are because like you said earlier, we live in a global society. I have, I have a client in England. I, it's different over there, they have a complete lockdown. So I have to listen to see where people are and then find out what they've already tried because the last thing I want to do is waste their time and say, well, you should try A, B, and C, I already tried it. Oh, okay. So that's why I want to know, I want to get a temperature of them before I start actually coaching them. Yeah, I just posted on um, social media a couple of days ago about my morning routine. And it was interesting to see the responses come back, the difference between people that I know that have kids and those that, that don't have kids. <laughs> Every single one that had kids was like, okay, well, where do kids fit in this picture? And, um, and even within groups that have kids, there's people that have different levels of resources. There's single parents, there's uh, two parent households, there's two parent households that have, uh, you know, people that are family that are staying with them or live in help or things like that. And all of those are different criteria. So um, I really appreciate the, the lack of a one size fits all approach uh, though. I do like the kind of the underlying uh, belief in simplicity as a, as kind of like a guiding light. <laughs> appreciate that. Um, so you're really well known for productivity. Obviously that's the thing that you hold yourself at as is where you get clients. Um, but if you know, you go, uh, look around and see some of the things that you've worked on. You look at some of the things that you talk about. Um, what, what would you say as far as social media goes? Because I know that's another thing that you talk about, you've advised on in the past, you give people suggestions. Um, looking at social media in 2021, what would you say the state of affairs is on social media in 2021? Well, this is, ironically, it's a really good question because this recently changed the last couple of days for me. Um, I'm reading Russell Brunson's book, Traffic Secrets. And in there, he talks about the Dream 100. And he says, people who are entrepreneurs like you and I, the only people who should be following on social media is our Dream 100, seeing what they're doing. 
And the mistake I had, I, I, I was following everyone. If you had a profile, I would follow you. If you followed me, I followed you back. And the problem is the feeds get really overwhelming. Now I'm only following like less than hundred people on most social media platforms. Now, when I go to my Instagram, it doesn't take me long to go through comment or like whatever. And I move on. Uh, if you have, if you're following like a thousand, 2000 people, well, your feed's never going to end. So that's one of the things I'm personally doing. I encourage people that if, if people are posting negative things about you, like, I don't want to hear about the election. Don't want to hear COVID. Don't want to hear about lockdowns. I don't want to hear about fraud. I don't hear about any of that stuff. Okay. That's not because I want to be hanging around people and reading content that's going to uplift me, that's going to cheer me on, that's going to encourage me. I, you know what? I think that's the number one problem that people have with their mindset. And I'm not a mental health coach, but people are consuming the news too much, whether it's on TV, streaming, uh, social media, whatever, and they're getting sucked down. And when you get sucked into that vortex of negativity, then you you get in the place where you're like, well, I'm not, why even bother starting? You know, why start doing anything? The world's coming to an end. You know, and it, so it's a really bad spiral down. And so I try to hang around people who are doing good things. They don't have to be billionaires, by the way. They can just be people with a positive attitude. Because I believe when you're happy, when you're positive, you will never be more productive than, than if you were a negative Nelly. Yeah. So if you're avoiding that overwhelm, you're simplifying your life. And also you're bringing in lots of positive signals from people that are the kind of energy you want to be around. That makes perfect sense. You recently, and this is, I believe today is when you released it, day of recording, uh, that you're returning to Facebook and Instagram. So <laughs> yeah. uh, I asked that question kind of purposely because um, obviously your return signals that, um, you know, that you see that there's still opportunity there. Um, I, m my background is um, very heavily involved in social media. I ran my own agency for seven years, uh, sold it to a larger agency. And then um, it's still a, a part of my work integrated into like brand and marketing and things like that. Um, but I've been a vocal critic of social media for a very long time because of, you know, a lot of the structural issues that are going on with social that make it difficult to avoid some of the kind of negative inputs that you're talking about. But you recently made uh, a comeback to Facebook and Instagram after taking some time off. And also you took off time from Twitter and we're mo mainly focusing on uh, LinkedIn. So I know it's only been a few days, but maybe you can talk a little bit about the um, sort of the inspiration behind that and maybe what other people might take away from the experiment that you're running right now. Well, again, this, I have to give credit to Russell Brunson for his book because I left Instagram and Facebook and I'm permanently gone from Twitter for now because I, I don't like the tone over there. It's very negative, but I was not doing social media correctly. And I'm using the air quotes here correctly. Um, I guess I should actually do air quotes, <laughs> but um, because I was just posting, 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 posting. And Gary Vaynerchuk wrote a book a number of years ago, jab, 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 right hook. And I was doing right hook, right hook, right hook, right hook, which doesn't work. You have to give, 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 give value, give value, give value. And that's what Russell talks about in this book is to, you know, follow the dream 100 and not just consume their content, watch what they're doing. How are they engaging with people? And that really is a light bulb moment to me. So now when I post, I'm posting intentionally. Okay, I'm not like, oh, I got to post at nine o'clock or I got to post at 4.03. I want to post intentionally, always leading with value. Now, it's only been back on Facebook and Instagram for like two or three days. So it's not like I'm, I've gone from like, I think 956 followers. I don't have 9 million, okay? It's a slow process. I just got back in the water. I have a lot of followers on LinkedIn because what I did on LinkedIn is I learned the platform and I learned how to build not... Uh, so much connections, but relationships, and I'm giving quality content, and it's rolling. So I'm going to take that same 
um, idea and roll over to Facebook and LinkedIn. Now, Facebook, I'm just like posting on there right now. Uh, I'm really going to start really concentrating on Instagram. I'll eventually add YouTube and stuff like that. But I don't want to just throw what I did in the past is throw spaghetti against the wall and just pray. Now I'm like, okay, let me be really intentional. So LinkedIn, now I'm going to go to Instagram, then from Instagram to Facebook. I'm going to be very methodical about it. And I'm going to be patient. That's one of the things that uh, I kept hearing Gary talk about for years and I was not patient. Now I'm learning to be patient. I'm learning to slow down and realize that it's going to take time. And everyone starts with one, one follower. That's you. And two, that's your mom. Everybody starts there. Everyone starts there. And we just have to be patient. We're not all going to have followers like Gary Vaynerchuk or, or Grant Cardone. We just have to be patient. And I, that's one of the things I struggle with. Got it. So you've mentioned a bunch of people during this episode, like Russell Brunson, you just mentioned Grant Cardone, Gary Vee. Um, I asked another question on my social media recently about uh, top three influences. And I mentioned that my top three would, I, I would say would be my dad, Spider-Man slash Peter Parker, and then uh, Dale Carnegie, uh, you know, of uh, how to win friends and influence fame. Um, those are my three. I'm actually uh, curious what you would say some of the, the grand influences on you have been to shape you as the person. Well, hundred percent without not even close is Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm a Christian. I read the Bible cover to cover year after year. I've been doing it for years. I still don't understand about it, but it's, I believe it's the truth. The second one also from the Bible, Daniel, I mean, you talk about a guy who's grounded in his faith. He didn't, he had his faith and he wasn't going to take no. The third person is someone I'm starting to go deep with this year is Robin Sharma. Um, he wrote a book last year called the 5 a.m. Club. And I'm like, 5 a.m. Really, dude? I, 5 a.m. The sun's not even up yet so early. But I decided I'd try it. And I, except for one day when I had a family emergency and I couldn't, I went to bed at three o'clock in the morning. I have gotten up every day at 5 a.m. And what I'm doing new now is he teaches in the book that the first thing you should do is go break a sweat, go elevate the heart rate. First thing in the morning, I'm like, wait a minute, you want me to get up at five o'clock in the morning and like, like start working out? I'm like, I'm not even awake yet. Um, and I've been doing it for the last two weeks. I, I'm pretty sure if you're watching me run around my block here in Houston at five or five fifteen in the morning, uh, I probably look like a zombie. But you know what? I feel so great when I get back because. Uh, the all the cortisol is going and and I just feel awesome. I'm focused and it's amazing uh, that within 15 minutes of actually waking up, I'm dressing out the bed and uh, up running, and it gets kind of cold here in Houston. Even in Houston, even though in the South, the first day I started this, it was 37 degrees, felt like 26 degrees outside. So I'm like, oh, wow. uh, did I move there in the night or something like that? But every day I'm doing it. I can tell you, I also sleep better at night because screens go off at eight. I try to read till nine, but I'm like in bed by 940 or 8:40. I'm so exhausted. So my sleep is I'm averaging neuroscience is seven, seven to nine. I'm averaging seven and a half to nine hour, eight hours sleep a night. Right on. Uh, it's interesting. I saw um, I remember when the 5 a.m. club came out because I remember seeing a bunch of people in my network posting about it. And it was like it was everywhere. Like I couldn't escape it. There was the whole 5 a.m. club thing. And then I remember seeing a tweet that was like. I'm just saying if I was a billionaire, I would probably tell all my rivals that I get up at 4 a.m. Because <laughs> I just, I'm so not a morning person. Like for me, the morning routine is about getting into the zone and I'm better late at night. And like, as the day goes on, I'm like a snowball down a hill. So I get better as, as the day goes on. 
Uh, so that whole 5 a.m. club, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I'll be skipping that one. Well, there's no, nothing wrong with it. Pat Flynn, he had kids. And so his prime time was after the kids went to bed at night. So there's yeah. no magic. I mean, Tim Cook gets up at 345 in the morning and checks email, which I wouldn't recommend if he was my client. Don't check your email first thing in the morning. Don't check social media. Uh, but you got to do you. You got to do what works for you. And I think a lot of people, you know, I listen to some things that Robin talks about that I don't agree with. There's things I talk uh, Gary talks about that I don't agree with. Look, I'm, I'm looking at all these people and I'm picking out what works for me. Not everyone's, I don't want to be a mini Gary B. I don't want to be a mini Robin Sharma. I want to be Mark Stucheski. Got it. No, that's awesome. That's my perspective as well. And I, not to be Mark Stucheski. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Individuals be your own thing. Um, so uh, one more thing I want to cover with you before I ask you a, a pretty profoundly large question, but um, you're a prolific podcaster. I mean, you're up to over 700 episodes now. Um, I've been podcasting since 2013, off and on. I've had multiple shows, shareable being, uh, my, my best of all of my shows so far. I recognize that the more I published, the more subscribers I got, the more downloads I got. So, you know, and, and I learned a couple things about promoting a show and having a successful show, learned a lot about interviewing. So I've had a really good time being a podcaster. I really enjoy this. I would do it, um, no matter what, basically just, I enjoy talking to people like yourself and, and the guests that I bring on. Um, you do it on a different level. Uh, I'm at your, you're going to be episode, I think 125, right? So I'm far cry away and I've been doing this show since 2016. So you're, you're on it. You're doing the show. Um, I talk to a lot of people that are thinking about starting podcasts. I encourage some people to start podcasts. if They have good ideas. I am curious about two things, which is one, after all the time that you have been doing this, what have you learned? Like, what's the, what's the big grand takeaway? And inside of that, there's, there's two things. One, what have you learned about the medium itself that's different about other things? And then two, what have you learned about being successful as a podcaster? Well, successful is up for debate. I mean, I think I'm successful, uh, but we all have our own definition of success. I mean, people well, I, listening I, to my show. The context of what you define as success. So like I define this show as a, as a success for me because it works within my schedule. I have good listener numbers that I feel good about. When I see my downloads, I'm like, Excellent. This is great. Obviously, we'd all like them to be more. We're all podcasters and we, do <laughs> we also want people to hear our voices, right? And our guests and, and things like that. So in your context of what you would consider to be, you would probably do it because you feel like it's working, right? Like you, you feel successful doing it to whatever that is. So what have you learned about that in terms of how to get to where you've gotten? Like, what have you learned there? And what have you learned about the medium itself that keeps you doing it? For me, it's all about consistency. I mean, I go back to the first episode I did, July 7, 2017, and I look at the ones I do now, and it's like, who is that other person? Uh, you know, but I, I, I didn't give up. Most people give up after seven or 10 episodes. I just kept going and I kept getting better a little by little and the listeners kept going up. People were happy and, and I'm happy if they're happy. And I love the fact that my studio is in my house, you know, in my spare bedroom. So like today I had a guest, she's a technical difficulty. We couldn't do the episode. But because I'm committed to do a new episode every day in 2021, brand new, I just created a 10 minute episode to be out tomorrow, you know, and it's, it's also keeping me sharp by doing that. Now, in terms of the medium, I think if someone said you can only be on one platform, you can pick any social media site or a video channel like YouTube or a podcast, hands down to be on a podcast. I'm a big fan of owning the content. I, I recently Clubhouse came out and say it's going to be the death of podcasting. No, it won't because um, podcast has been around since what, 1904, something like that. It's not going anywhere. 
Um, and the problem is like you and I own the content on our podcast. And I think if Clubhouse got too big, Spotify or, or Apple would buy it and destroy it. Um, you're not, club podcast is not going to go away. I love the fact that I can talk to people. I mean, I could literally talk to people and, and say, you know, these are, this is what I want to teach you. Or this is what like me and my guests want to teach you. Or this is what's on my mind. And it's like my own, per, it's our own personal radio station. Not everyone listens to every episode I have. And that's one of the reasons why I don't ever give download numbers for my podcast because download numbers are out of context. I've got, I got hundreds of podcasts that download my phone, never listen to them, probably never will. And what I'm only, what I'm interested in is, am I changing people's lives? And the only way I'm going to know that is someone sends me an email or a DM on social media and says, Hey, I listened to your show. It changed my life. It doesn't happen very often. So I'm of fact, I only look at downloads maybe once a month. I don't care about the downloads. I really don't because Tim Ferriss got like a million downloads an episode, but how many people are actually listening? We don't, and, and listening, how many people are actually doing something what he says? How many lives are being changed? So that's why I don't, I don't, I'm not fascinated about the, the numbers. Well, I like that because it leads into my next question, but it also is a very important point, which is about understanding why you're doing something in the first place, right? Like I think a lot of people start a podcast because they think they're going to become famous. They're going to have this download numbers, people are going to sponsor it. And like, I, I am absolutely confident in saying that is very, very unlikely to happen because the majority of you will put out three episodes and give up because it's difficult <laughs> to stay consistent, right? So uh, kudos to you for, for over 700 episodes. It's, uh, it's definitely a grind at times to keep it going, but I do find that once you get into a momentum, it becomes a lot easier almost with everything else. Like, you know, if you do it consistently, it starts to get easier over time. Um, so the last question I want to end on is, um, is I'm curious why you do what you do. So not, not just the podcast, not just the productivity coaching, but, but everything. What is Mark Struchewski about? What is the, if, if you think about like somebody reading your eulogy and what you left behind, the legacy, the purpose of your life, the impact you're trying to make, the lives you're trying to touch, the change you're trying to initiate. You mentioned that that's kind of how you gauge the success of the show. So what is that? What is the change that you're hoping to make in people's lives um, at its most ambitious? Well, let me tell you that, uh, put in context, I'm 55 years old. And for the longest time, I really thought the world revolved around me. And it was me, 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 doesn't care about anybody else. Then I don't know what was the defining moment in my life, but a couple of years ago, I realized that it was about helping other people. So now it doesn't matter if I'm doing productivity coaching, the podcast, social media, or helping someone you know, bring their garbage in. I, don't care. I want to help people. I genuinely want to help people because I believe that everyone takes time to help other people whether they're neighbors or colleagues or strangers, I think the world will be a better place. So I wake up every day like a little kid at Christmas and it's a new present. Who am I going to meet? What am I going to experience today? And I really, the root of everything I do is I really want to help people. I want people not to go, oh, Mark's a great guy. I want people to go, wow, I want to be, I want to do what he's doing. I want to help other people and pay it forward. So that, that's what drives me every day. I love it, man. I love it. Well, you've been an absolutely phenomenal guest to have on the show. Uh, it is great talking to other podcasters because it just, it, there's such a good banter and a good flow. Um, so really appreciate you coming on. I want to, I like to give all of my guests a little time in the show where they can let people know where they can go and be social with them, where they can learn more about what they're working on, hire them, anything. This is your portion of the show to just unabashedly promote yourself and talk about what it is that, uh, that you do and where people can connect with you. The best place you can go is mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, 
MrProductivity.com. There you can get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. You can find out about my digital productivity coaching. I go live most Saturday mornings and I train on some aspect of, you know, not only productivity, sometimes health and wellness, sometimes about, you know, how to be a better you. It's all free. It's on Saturday. Everything you need to know about me is at MrProductivity.com, including links to my podcast. And Jeff, I found something really cool this morning that really blew me away. I went in the incognito tab on Google Chrome and I typed in Mr. Productivity and I came up on the first page. And even if you type in MR Productivity, I come up on the home, on the first page. And so I'm like, okay, it's a fluke, right? So I reached out to friends of mine around the world. I say, hey, go open an incognito tab and type in Mr. Productivity. Every one of them said, you come up. So you can go to type in Mr. Productivity on Google and everything's gonna pop up on the first page. I didn't even know that until today. And I'm like, that is so stinking cool. Because <laughs> no one's going to go look up Mark Stuchowski. But if you go look up Mr. Productivity on Google, you'll find me. So that made my day this morning. Um, you just made me think of something <laughs> that I'm, I'm checking right now, actually. Because, um, ah, not yet. Uh, oh, actually, my picture comes up. So that's good. Okay, so check it out. My LinkedIn headline, this is a totally off topic, but you just made me think of it. Uh, my LinkedIn headline for the longest time was the world's most handsome social media and content marketing strategist. So I just typed in Google world's most handsome strategist. And my my image came up because it was off of my website. So it's tagged as that. So uh, I'm going to work on that because that is a damn good thing to be, uh, 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 to be shown in a search result when somebody types handsome strategist. Um, Awesome. So uh, anything else you want to share with people uh, aside from uh, websites so they can find you? No, anything sir. else? Cool, cool. Well, I'm going to put links to all of that in the show notes along with your top five tips for entrepreneurs to get free and clear and productive and uh, and all that good jazz. Um, you've been a great guest. I really appreciate you coming on. It's a great episode. I hope people listen to it. I hope people listen, not just download it, but listen to it all the way through. I hope they share it with other people, which means I, I guess I would say that this episode was shareable. <laughs>